Welcome back to Country and Cold Cans. I had to do a little throwback there to the first couple episodes with the uh, the cracking open of the beer for this episode. What's the beer? It's uh, This week it is a Foothills uh, Hoppium IPA. Oh, very nice. Yeah, we just talked about it on the last episode when we talked about our favorite beers. But as always, I'm Logan sitting here with Kyle and Andy. And uh, we have a uh, an album to review today of a artist that we're all big fans of in uh, Texas native, Co Wetzel. Um, you know, it, his record just came out. It's first one on, uh, the brand new label with Columbia. Um, one thing I, before we get into code, it's kind of like, we need to point out that within the Texas scene, Andy and I've thought about this a bunch. I thought about it when Austin Up Church came on the show over the last like three to five years, there seems to be this, uh, I guess, growing rock scene with, within the, uh, Texas music scene. And like, there's always been, you know, a, a rock side to Texas and Red Dirt music, tracing back to like cross Canadian ragweed. But this is a little bit different in that it's guys typically in their mid to late 20s. It's a little bit different style of rock than what Cody and the boys were doing with uh, with ragweed. And um, the one on the forefront of this is easily Co Wetzel because Co Wetzel's rise has been within the independent realm quite, you know, it's not been overnight. Everybody always talks about like Aaron Watson's old song overnight success, but it has been kind of like overnight almost. It seems like to people who haven't heard of him and, uh, Co's released what, uh, three records before this one. It was out on parole noise complaint. And then Harold saw high. And then here is his first one as he signed to Columbia records with a big major label deal. And, um, this one is very aptly titled. Everybody wanted to throw this at him when he announced, but this record is called sellout. He kind of poked fun at the idea that when you become more successful and you sign to a major label that you're selling out, you know, for the money, for the fame, what have you. But, uh, this record, his fourth release under the Columbia, uh, music, uh, label is aptly titled sellout. But, um, you know, as we've always said, Coe's appeal isn't for everybody. It's, um, he he's not really country. He'll tell you that up front. Said he'll wait till he's thirty to release a country record. But he he's got this rock kind of edge. He lives is more like the way he has branded himself and kind of lives. He's like that old school rock and roll artist. And he ain't um, no, he ain't fronting on that. So like Coe's appeal was really like not like we're we're all about twenty six, twenty seven here on this podcast. Like everybody our age and a little bit younger tend to love Coe. People a little bit older than us don't get it. And like we talked about that a lot on the last Co Wetzel album review for Harold Saul High, but it's it's kind of the case. And um, you know, with even within our own friend group, it seems to be that it takes you a little bit to really get into Co's music because it's like you find it, it, you listen to it, you're not super impressed, but then the more you listen to it, it grows on you, you become a big fan because you said that happened to you, didn't it, Kyle? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it happened, Andy, to a lesser extent, but it happened to a few of our friends. Now they're all big fans, and we've traveled to three different cities in the before times, before COVID was a thing. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I guess we can jump right into the record. Um, the album that he released, uh, Sellout, I think, um, tell me if you guys kind of think something different or if you agree, like, I think sonically speaking, before we get into the actual songs and the songwriting, sonically speaking, I think it's this one. He kind of doubled down a little bit more overall. There are some notable exceptions on the record, but he doubled down on kind of like that kind of grunge kind of sound mixed with a little bit of roots music. You hear flourishes of like some country instrumentation, but it's really low in the mix compared to grunge style guitars. And just like Andy was talking about, you know, the way he sings, things like that. So, I mean, like 
what what were you, your guys take on the on the the sonic aspect of sellout? I agree with you there for the for the mo- all pretty much all of that. But to me, at times too, it did remind me a little bit of uh, out on parole and uh, the EP he put out. Yeah, just a little bit, not necessarily in the the because those were probably the countryest things he's put out. But so more on like how the arrangement and the tempo at times when he didn't sound exactly like Kurt Cobain, it did remind me a little bit more of that than uh, Harold Saw High or Noise Complaint did. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. There are some exceptions on the record. I mean, one notable one is definitely Lubbock, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, just kind of some background on this record. Co said that this um, album in itself, it was like a really a collection of songs of like emotions that he had kind of gone through within the last two years. And it really does show because a common thread throughout a lot of this record is the idea of loneliness, the idea of getting past a relationship. And then when you're past the relationship, the moving on aspect, and then the other person that was on the other end of the relationship, maybe still hitting you up and you're not like, they're not past it. They're trying to tell you to get past it. So I think there is a common theme, you know, uh, when it comes to lyrically on the record. I thought his arrogance was a little bit more back to me than on his, uh, Harold Saul High. Because in a lot of those things, you know, as he says that, uh, you know, when they keep calling him, you know, it's that I wish you'd never fucking call this phone again. Yeah. The other one, he's like, I, I wish you'd tell your friends to quit calling me. Yeah. Um, That's kind of more of that. Yeah, the classic arrogance of Co Wetzel. Yeah. But what, you, what, what about you, Kyle? Was there anything that really stuck out to you sonically or lyrically on the album? Yeah, uh, so <clears throat> it kind of looks like he's going back in time uh, to me. Like Harold Salha kind of reminded me of like a early to mid two thousands kind of rock vibe with with just and like you said, this is very post grunge. Yeah, and this is yeah. going back to the the heart of the grunge. Like Harold Salha kind of reminded me of like the not lyrically wise, but just the actual music of more like a like a simple plan, mm-hmm. very upbeat, fast guitar. Not so much this album, which is like you said more grunge, more kind of, I don't want to say darker, but at the same darker. time. Kind of darker. <laughs> yeah. Kind of darker. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, to, to kind of like back you up on that. Like I, I always like to try to get friends of mine that are not big listeners of this style of music to sit down and listen to the record. And a buddy of mine who I work with listened to uh, Harold's all high when it came out. And then he listened to sell out when this came out. And these were to people that aren't familiar with like the independent Texas red dirt kind of music scene. He, described like he thought that Harold Saul High sounded a little bit more like Weezer, so to speak. And mm-hmm. uh this one had much more of a grunge heavy kind of like sound. And that was just like them listening. That was their initial reaction coming off of one listen through each each uh of the last album and this one. Now uh yeah this one actually I agree with y'all. It's, it does sound really grungy between two it's got like it's kind of like a grunge sound with a little bit of like a three doors down flair to it. Right. Some of that early two thousands kind of stuff. Yeah. Now there's a a guy I work with who uh, he loves Cody Jinx. Uh, I got him to start listening, and he really liked the Harold Saw High album. He we were we've been listening to it while we've been at work uh, doing some work. He's not a fan of this, and he's about thirty three, thirty four. Yeah. And he was like, "And let's get something new." Yeah, yeah. I've been working listening to this, so you know, kind of. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah. I, and like I said, I think some of that too is one, his age. Cause like you don't see many co Wetzel fans in their thirties for whatever reason. 
Um, and then also, like I said, Co Wetzel was really an artist and it's not saying that his music's so super deep. People don't get it. Cause that's definitely not the case. It's, it's a more of the fact that his, it's more of a grower. Like you have to listen to it multiple times before you really appreciate it before you really get it. And, um, we've, I mean, we've had multiple examples of people we know that that's been the case for them with Co Wetzel specifically. But I do think it's funny that you said he listens to Cody Jinx. So you're like, Hey, check out Co Wetzel. He's probably thinking, Oh, another guy from Texas. And then when it's not country music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, it was uh, the first time he was like, Oh man, these, these two are nothing alike. I was like, yeah, they're not, but yeah, not at all. They're really good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so diving, uh, I guess into the record a little bit, um, as Andy pointed out on the last album review for Harold's all high, he kind of brought back the skits again. And I think I kind of want to get y'all's opinion on this. Cause I really think the skits work for code. They wouldn't work for say Parker or they wouldn't work for Randy Rogers band, but they work for code Wetzel with his style, with his brash, I guess, branding, marketing, whatever you want to call it. And, but like, especially considering that the, the name of this record was sellout and it kind of like details him, signing the meeting with the record company. It was, it was really funny for pre-sell out where they were just like, have you listened to this? What? I don't know what this is. This punk country shit. It sucks. He's like, well, you know, he's selling tickets and he's selling albums. So who really gives a shit? <laughs> I like the skits on this album. And I like, I didn't like it that much on Harold saw high because it's, they were all in the, like the middle of the album. Yeah. And to me, it was just too many. I like on, I do. I preferred noise complaint with just the one skit at the beginning. But I can deal with the one at the front in the beginning and the one in the middle. I, I'm okay with this. But right, typically, I didn't really like them on Harold Saul Hop because to me, when you listen to the album straight through in order, it's annoying. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of them on Harold Saul High. I think I, I can't remember, but I think I said that on the last uh, episode we did for Co. But this one, I agree, works because it was only three. There was one at the beginning, one at the end, and then one in the middle that really kind of... Yeah it really introduced what that song was going to be. So I think it yeah. was str- more strategically placed and had more of a focus. Whereas last time it was just kind of like, you know, he had, when he wanted that high school theme, so it was kind of like all over the place a little bit. I think this time it was more focused. Yeah, I, I agree. And then it too, when you listen to it in order, when it's the first song and the last song on the album, it's only one break in the middle of the album. That's, that's not exactly. to me, it's, it's not near as annoying. I can deal with that. Yeah. So yeah, like go ahead and call. No, I mean, I, I agree. Um, now, I didn't listen to the uh, post sellout just because, well, I did, but I didn't listen to it all the way through just because whatever that ungodly church <laughs> choir, it just goes on forever. And I just kind of <laughs> so quit. So you like didn't make it of, to the song part? No, no, I did. Uh, the Is there something after the like minute and a half did of you make church it, choir? Uh, the, did the you make it just, to the part where he came home and his wife was sucking dick? <laughs> He said it was his homeboy, he said. (laughs) So, yeah, you're going to have to go listen to it because there was a hidden track on that. And what was funny about that was Co vocally was probably one of the, like, it was more of a traditional style of singing. It wasn't his style of singing. So it was like, I had to look up the liner notes to see if it was him singing or not, and it was. I didn't think it was him. I didn't either. I didn't know. I I was quite impressed with his vocal ability and that kind of traditional, more like style of singing. But it was, we should, we'll jump to the last one for this. it was crazy because that was a completely freestyled song. He didn't write it. He just got in there, told him to hit record. Whatever came out, came out. And he did it in one take. <laughs> and then he was like, put it on the record. And I heard that his producer was like, we're not putting that on the record. He goes, make it a hidden track. It's going on the record. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, I I did. To, I'm going to get a second try. because I was the I, same as you, though. I didn't make it that far in it either. <laughs> yeah, oh, I yeah. feel like a, 
two minutes left. Yeah, then the thing about being the chicken farmer, it just yeah, goes yeah. off the rails. Yeah, I did get to that part. Yeah, so that, that yeah, it was over the top and ridiculous, but uh, it was quite comical. I mean, it it was it worked as a hidden track just because it was, like I said, it was ridiculous. But uh, getting into the track list, like one thing, I don't know how you guys, before we get into the songs, like I kind of classified this record as songs that I thought were good songs, songs that I think are maybe good songs, but they, I know they're going to work really great in a live setting at a Co Wetzel show. And then there were songs that I, there were one or two that I just am like, all right, this is not so good. Like this probably is, just say it nicely, it's a throwaway track for me. One that I'm probably not going to listen to much outside of when I was trying to prepare for this uh, album review. I think that's fair. Yeah. 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 So, the first one on the track list, like not to go too in depth on a lot of these, because you know, I don't think everybody wants us to go song by song. Well, what do you think yeah. it meant in this verse? But like the We've first, we've already one, done country and western. Yeah, country and western. Like just kind of briefly on that, you know, it's going to be a hell of a song live at concert. Not a whole lot of of uh, teeth to that song, but it, it it'll be a fun song live. We all know that. Um, and then. Next up on the track list, I think has probably become one of my favorites, and I think is arguably one of the best songs on the record. Andy and I have a little bit of a disagreement, not like that he says he doesn't like it, but I think Cold and Alone is one of the best songs on the record because it's definitely done like that grunge kind of style, but Cold and Alone is a song that he is sitting there and he's talking about, you know, how the girl he was with is telling him that he won't talk about his feelings and she need. I love that part where he's like, and you scream, I need to talk about it like that. Like that was like, that's a fantastic way to end that very first part of that first verse. But the best part about this song was by the second verse, you kind of see that. And then the chorus, you see that her heart was never in their relationship. She was always kind of looking for the pieces of her heart that were, were uh, kind of strewn about. And she didn't really like care about him to the extent that he wanted her to. He was down and he was like, how do you sleep at night with that? And the thing that I think Co does very, very well in the song that not many artists are willing to do in 2020. And thank God he does. He encapsulates the anger from the male perspective in a relationship that goes south. Because normally when male artists are, it's always like, I did her wrong. It was my fault. Or I'm so lonely. I'm so lonesome. I could cry to borrow from Hank Williams. It's always in that style. He does this one in the kind of like this bravado, like I'm angry about you doing me wrong. So F you kind of thing. And I think the co does that very well. And we don't have many artists within this sphere of music that are willing to even broach that topic anymore. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it that way, to be honest with you. Um, but I mean, since you've said it that way, that song makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Uh, my favorite part of the song is after the second chorus, just the, like, in, in heavier rock, you have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And just the long, you know, when he's like, when he just, he, I, I'm not going to even try to sing it because I can't. But Come on, Kyle. Let the pipes loose and sing for us. <laughs> but right after he says, you left me cold and alone, and then it just breaks into the guitar solo. Yeah. That part slaps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, and then that was that was the first song that I didn't even go to the next song. I just hit. Yeah. Play again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was that was my first one when I listened to the record all the way through. It was a, it was an instant like re- repeat. I wanted to hear yeah, it again. Let's go back. Yeah. Let's do it back. Yeah. So that, what about you, Andy? What do you think about Cold and Alone? I'm, I'm not going to. At first, I thought it was to me, it was very OK to me. I'm giving it time because from what you've you've spoke so highly of it, I'm not writing it off. But to me, first listen, it really didn't make me feel any like emotion wise. It didn't make me feel anything. It didn't get in the feels, people. 
yeah, the storyline <laughs> to me was was okay. You know, for what you're from what you said to me, it was just it was very okay. But I'm I'm letting it breathe because I've you know read the lyrics for it because at times you know to me on this album at times he gets a little mumbly where I don't t- completely understand all of the lines. But uh, I've read the lyrics. I'm just I'm giving it a moment and say maybe I haven't totally got it yet because you speak so highly of it. But to me, it's okay. Doesn't make me feel anything. Story's not, you know, not not that great to me. So, well, I mean, it's not a story song in the way in the vein of Good Lord Lori, but I mean, it's a yeah. song about the breakdown of her relationship, the effect it had on her while it was breaking down, the effect it had on him, like him looking back on it, and being like, you know what, screw her. <laughs> like it, it wasn't all me. Like she was, she was never, she never. I may have not talked about my feelings, but she never had her heart in it. So, I mean, yeah, that's why I so, kind of, I think yeah, that's why it resonated with me. Cause I, I like that yeah, aspect of it. But it kind of made you feel an emotion too, where you get the emotion of it. Right. Sure. Basically sure. that's what you're saying. Right. To me, it didn't do that at all. Yeah. It, to enough. me, it just didn't, it just didn't. Yeah. But I mean, I haven't wrote it off yet. Cause I don't think it's a bad song. I have, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. Yeah. I, I wanna, it just didn't, know. it just didn't hit for you. Yeah. There, yeah. So I, I'm giving that one some time. So it's funny you say that because initially that the next song crying from the bathroom, that was like that for me. It was like, it sounded good. I didn't get it at first and it took multiple listens because the thing that threw me off was at the very beginning of the song, he's singing about having a picture of Jesus on his phone. I didn't know what he was getting at, but then I, the more I listened to it, the, I listened, like put my headphones yeah. on and it heard it. That was not part of the song. That was, I think him just yeah, warming up. Yeah, it was yeah, irrelevant to the song. Too. Yeah, it threw me off initially, but that was just him warming up. And then you can kind of hear him say, like, after Jesus is watching, he's like, all right, we're good. And then it's like he gets into the verse of the song. And then to me at times, too, is that for me, for the most part, that song really, it kind of was the same for me as Cold and Alone. Yeah. And it was one of the things I noticed for me throughout the whole album, it first listens, and it really hasn't changed a whole lot yet. As you notice, a lot of times, you know, it's a little bit to me as a theme is that the girl left him and then, you know, he's like, well, you know, I'm doing okay alone. You, and uh, certain, they said that in one song. Uh, but to me, it's kind of that, that just the I'm okay. Yeah. It like, to me, it's uh, like a lack of strong emotion that it, it kind of, to me, it took away from me really feeling any emotion. Made the song making me, those two songs especially, making me really feel anything of any sort of emotion, really. Yeah. And then to me, that, that if, you don't, if it doesn't make you feel an emotion, there's not much else there in the song to make you really sure really like it. It's nothing the melody and the memory, as Eric Church says, didn't connect for you. I get that. But I like I, I do think that those songs work just because it's like I said, it it's coming from a perspective from the male side after a relationship yeah. that often doesn't get told. And I think you alluded to this at the beginning, the very last re- like refrain of crying from the bathroom she keeps like calling him up even though she's with another guy. Cause he must be running around. She's looking for his shoulder to cry on. And then at the very end, he's like, you know what? I fucking wish you wouldn't call this phone again. Like I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm done. I've moved past it. So you need to also, I, I can't still be yeah. there for you to be your punching bag anytime it's convenient. And, and that's the one thing that I, that where he says, you know, it's just, I'm okay. And then to me, Coetzel is a classic, you know, kind of a extreme emotion guy, you know, like even like with fuss and fight, it's still that's an extreme way to look at it. Sure, sure. What about you, Kyle? What do you think about crying from the bathroom? Um, this is uh, to be honest with you, the first song I was like, you know, somebody needs to check on this guy. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was, I was like, man, this this guy is just he is either he's hurting 
or he just is really good at writing sad songs. Hey, look, I love sad songs. Maybe that's why I like we, Yeah, as do I. Uh, like I said, I didn't really... I think this is just a fine song. It's yeah. not really excellent. I mean, it's, it's not in the upper tier of the album. I think it's in the good tier, but it's not in. It's not a really like a killer song. It's just in that. This is a pretty good song, kind of to me, is where I came at it from that one. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, and um, moving on to the next, we have the second skit of three, the fiddler, and this. Andy and I were talking about. I don't know how you feel about it, Kyle, but Andy and I were talking about. We thought this was hilarious because the common, the context around all of this. Co said that they wanted to have a really country song on the record. Um, the one that followed up with this Lubbock he wrote back in like 2013 or 2014 said that he had to uh, uh, rewrite some of the verses because he couldn't remember the words to it when he initially wrote it. So he re- rewrote part of the verses, and they really wanted a country song because what is the common thing? Andy can tell you uh, just as good as I can. The common criticism from folks in the independent red dirt scene, sometimes as much as mainstream listeners can be hell-bent on saying this is real country music and Morgan Wallen saving country music, people on the flip side can be very pinkies out and turn their nose up at anything yeah. that isn't Cody Jinx. And that's off-putting to me as well because that's just not how I am. Like, a good song is a good song. And um, so he put, I think, this in the record as a way of just, like, showing that he can do a country song. But yeah. also, I'll let Andy expand because Andy had a good point about this. It's a big middle finger to everybody. That of everybody you just described, it's just a big middle finger to him. Yeah, and I like how too in the fiddler that he plays the fiddle horribly. Horribly, and then he's like, "Man, f this, <laughs> fuck this thing." <laughs> yeah, and then it just goes seamlessly into Lubbock, which me and Kyle both said we really like that song. Like it's it's just a damn toe tap. Oh yeah, when uh, so you know, once you you guys gave me the background on fiddler, it makes a lot of sense, and it is it is funny now hindsight. At first, I was like, what in the hell is this? But, you know, now it makes sense. Uh, now, when Lubbock came on, I was riding in my truck, and I just, it just I just had to head bob. You know, I just said, yes, this is good shit here. Like, like this is phenomenal. This is probably my favorite song so far. Yeah, it's a um, song. I, I love, like, upbeat country songs like that. Yeah, something you could dance to at a dance hall in Texas. Uh, yeah, so... Um, it's just a fun song. I mean, it's like, it kind of reminds me of like uh, going back to my college town for the weekend. Yeah, Kyle, I agree because Lubbock, uh, from me not having ever been there, but from just going off of people from Texas, Lubbock is, uh, I've heard is, you know, it's out in some West Texas, right, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, so Lubbock is out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I've heard that it's a it's a party town with because that's where Texas Tech is. So yes. in Texas Tech yeah, for our there. North Carolina listeners, Texas Tech is likened to ECU when it comes to being the party school. You've got A and M, which is the ag school like NC State is, and you've got UT, which is the snobby uh UNC of Texas. So yeah, Lubbock is kind of like I believe where you know the big parties happen at, at TTU and they kind of like I'm moving on up to Lubbock for the weekend, see how much trouble I can find. And it's like that that was kind of like what that represented it within this album because um he had some funny lines in there about how he's gonna have to get back because uh, if he wants to ha- hang out with his girlfriend, I made that PG when he gets back uh home. But it, it basically he's going to Lubbock to party. That's that's what that yeah. song's about. <laughs> but I thought the song I didn't love the song. I did like it for the party song. We're gonna kick Andy the- out of the Co Wetzel fan club. But to me, the thing is, too, is it's the same thing. It's not the same as, like, the extreme party 
that it was before. Yeah. But that that's just why I, I came to really appreciate the extremeness of Co Wetzel. But yeah. um I do really like the song because that song is still an extreme middle finger to hundred oh, percent people. I 100%. love it for that. It's a bit I mean, it's even a bit over the top for the with the way he did it for for a country song. Yeah. It was almost tongue in cheek, like screw you. I, I can make a country song, but I'm gonna go over the top and make a real that's yeehaw. <laughs> To, to me, it's not that the song is like an extreme party song that Co Wetzel's known for, but it's an extreme middle finger. And you know, in concert, he's just going to let out a big yeehaw after that, like he does on the record. Yeah, he, he's going to get all country and western, as he says. But uh, but yeah, and then we get to the next, the next. Okay, the middle of the album is where I think it really fell off, like truthfully. And um, after Lubbock, it took a nosedive for a while until it started pulling. Imagine like an airplane going down, and you're about to crash. And that's where it was going. Then they pulled it up and saved it at the last minute. I might drop out in 10 minutes. Are you Okay, yeah. So without going into too much detail on it, like I thought the side chick sucked, like truthfully. I thought the drug problem was aggressively mediocre. And Outcast is a good song, but it's a William Clark Green cover. I understand why he put it on the record, but I don't think it really added much to the album. Um, Outcast was a song, like I said, put out by William Clark Green in 2008. The reason he included it was because it has a good backstory of why it's on the record. He, uh, one of his friends who he used to drink with in high school was a good buddy of his. They used to play the song when they were drinking. They go to parties. So it meant a lot to him. But his, his friend passed away recently. So this was his way of honoring him um, with this cut on the record by covering WCG. But I don't think that it really adds a whole lot to the record, truthfully. Um, and then especially, it just kind of dr- dragged on a little bit for me because I didn't think Side Chick was any good. Drug problem was mediocre, and Outcast just didn't fit for me. But I mean, what do you guys think? Um, I'm, yeah. So, drug problem. Uh, the the number one thing that just ruin a song for me is if the song you can tell the artist kind of like reaches their vocal limit. And yeah, when, in Outcast, when he's like, I mean, excuse me, in drug problem. When he's like, I got a drug, you can hear his yeah. like voice almost start to crack. It did crack once. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, oh, come on. Like, and it did. I thought I, he was straight. I, th- I don't think he sounded too good vocally on Side Chick either. But I think no. some of that with them double downing on, doubling down on uh, like the grunge thing. Like Andy and I have said before, Kurt Cobain did that a lot. His voice cracked a lot. He He didn't always sound good vocally. And I don't know if it was conscious of him trying to do that or if it just was him singing in something that wasn't within his wheelhouse, but it didn't. I don't think it sounded very good either. Kurt Cobain was a weird guy. Side yeah. Chick just blows. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that song. It's definitely a skip for me whenever um, yeah, I listen I, to it moving forward. Drug problem's a skip. Yeah. So it's not, I don't think that's not near as bad as Side Chick, but I don't think it's a good song. Yeah. So moving from there, we get into one we've already talked about a lot that I think we all agree is going to be fun in concert. I think it's better than country and Western, but Sunday or Monday, that's, um, I, I really like that song a lot. I think it has a, enough code bravado, has some like aggressiveness to it, and it's going to be a fun song in concert. I don't like the beginning of it. It's still just a, it, it kills the song for me. <laughs> Andy's being overly critical uh, for him today. But uh, hey, we haven't look. gotten to my highlights yet. Well, uh, the next song, I believe, is your favorite on the record. So if you want to take over for Good Die Young. You're going to be right. I think it is. that's the best song on the album. I, I, it's a, it's, I love the writing on that song. I think that's the best written song on the whole album to me. 
overall, I, I can agree with Sounds that. Sounds awesome. Like, it, that was one of the better written songs on the record. And, and to tie into what Kyle and I were saying earlier about the common thread of loneliness, the second verse of that song, I think encapsulates this album very well, where he is like saying, you know, call the doctor run for the heels. He's going insane. he's ran out of pills. He can't be saved. He's too far gone. He's like, but maybe I'm just really alone. And I think that that kind of encapsulates oh, the thread, the common thread of loneliness and, you know, going through some shit. And having to and it's you got know, the, find ways to mask it, however that is with yeah. rock and roll or alcohol or, or women or whatever it is, like he's finding ways to mask that loneliness and the kind of the internal struggle that the yeah. artist is having. Yeah, it's the like uh, losing yourself type deal that he's done in uh, like Shadow People and Change My Ways. This, yeah. His thing is too is about losing yourself on top of what everything you just said. Yeah. You have any thoughts on uh, Good Day Young Kyle? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the last podcast we did when he dropped uh, the song. Um, really good. My favorite verse is actually the second verse where he's like, I've terrorized everything in my eyes, yeah. left them there to bleed. It's hard to hurt something that I love when the only thing I love is me. Oh, yeah. I agree with I love that's, that line, too. That's really clever. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it saddens me that he, the same guy that can write this song writes Side Chick. I mean, I'm just yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Like you, oh, there's just like Andy said, man. It's so not only is there like musical extremes, there's just like extreme quality. Lyricism. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I mean, are you just like high or something when you're writing "Good Die Young" and sober on the rest, or, or vice or versa? Vice versa. I think it's yeah. more likely vice versa because I like I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're more than likely he's a more like clear and sounder mind and we're completely speculating here we we don't know but like when you're writing something like good die young because that that self-awareness of selfishness of like you know you know maybe the problem could be me because i just don't love anything but myself like it kind of ties back into his song love from noise complaint you know i don't love you because the selfish don't love nobody like it's that self-awareness and that's just like you know what i'm not at a point where i'm ready for anything more than just being you know in my selfish 20s as people say and i think that that like you said that that's a killer uh phrase uh, phrasing in that in that song for good die young the whole song's good oh yeah and it has it, no low point no that song is yeah. arguably i think right now i still put it as the best song on the record but i think cold and alone is close but i, I do think was, the song the songwriting on good die young overall is a lot better I, i'm 100 percent with you on there that. was one thing too that surprised me i i just realized this yeah yesterday as many times i've listened to good die young i still don't entirely get that song because the like the chorus about you know the story's getting old where the good die young i don't really understand what that has to do with the verses well i yeah i think that's a reference to how many songs in music have we heard where it's like you know um always talking about how the good die young but in reality in reality i think that he would eat what i think my take on that is what i think he's saying is that maybe the good are not the ones that die young. Maybe the ones that put our bodies through hell by trying to go through cope with all these bad thoughts that we're having and fighting our inner demons actually is going to kill us in the end because not everyone can be, uh, was the guy from, what's his name? My mind's blanking, Andy. Um, the guy from ACDC. Uh, Angus Young's the only one I remember. No, well, that reference fell flat, but <laughs> but not every not everybody can can put their body through hell and just keep, and keep living. Where a lot of times people end up more like Kurt Cobain or anybody in the Twenty Seven Club when you're battling person, personal demons, you either bottom out and you quit or you end up dying. And I think that's kind of what that part of the song was re- referring to with all the things that he says he's going through at that moment. 
And moving right along to uh, the last couple songs on the record, one of them I know we all universally think is a straight up jam. But before we get to that, we have Drunk Driving, which we have a little bit different opinion on. I think that, that I think it's a good song, but I don't think it's a really good song. I think it's kind of in that same tier with uh, Crying From the Bathroom uh, for me. I think that it's it's another song about, you know, he he was definitely going through some shit, like Kyle said, because that's that's what this whole song is about. It's just like, if I don't make it out of here, tell my mama to look after my friends because uh, things aren't going so great for me right now. So I'm I'm drunk driving again. Kind of, yeah. And I, I kind of think he's I, leaving my my think what my thinking was he was probably leaving from a one night stand that he you know just felt terrible about having and now he's drunk driving trying to get away and if he doesn't make it home this is what he's kind of what the thought process is running through his mind. So did you take the drunk driving part literally? This one, yeah, uh, because the I way didn't. the well, I'd like to hear your viewpoint on that. The way I took it was like I said, I think he was leaving from a hookup that he wished he hadn't have done. He was feeling bad about it, and now he's like drunk driving again. He's sitting there thinking. You know, if I don't make it home, this is kind of like, you know, what if this is what I'm remembered for? Tell my mom, you know, to look after my friends kind of thing. But what's your take on it? I can't remember the exact line, but I thought it was more is that he was, uh, what, what's the exact line? He's uh, drunk driving again. Uh, I don't remember off the exact line off the top of my head. Do you know it off the top of your head? I don't, but I can look it up. Well, he has the. Yes, that. Go the ahead. one that I thought was uh, really sad was when he's like, uh, everyone's got to die somehow. Why yeah. not me right now? And I, and I was like, yo, man. <laughs> yeah. He's to yeah. come and check on this man. Like, I, like I said, I don't really mean this. I hope I, I really shouldn't mean this. But you know how, like, sometimes when people do suddenly die, they're like, oh, all the signs are right there. Like, it's, if you are yeah. friends with this guy, maybe you should reach out to him. Because I'm not, maybe it's just music. And, you know, I hope it's just music. And sometimes to be to be fair, it could be just that we're seeing his worst points in song form where all of us have had very bad thoughts and very very bad self-destructive behavior, but it doesn't right. get put onto a eleven song album for millions of people to listen to. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I hope it's just a song. Yeah. Nothing more. But I, I didn't oh, take agree. it literally. I can't remember if the the line off the top of my head, but it's I thought he was uh similar like uh he's drinking in his uh as a coping mechanism type where you yeah. it's kind of like the the uh if you know the song it's a 90s rock song is a uh, drive by incubus mm-hmm. yeah. sort of that type of drive but he's drinking in you know that kind of driving sense right you know, he's drinking driving his life drunk to as a vice right oh, that's okay. how i took the exact line Actually, but i can't remember yeah. it off the top of my that's head an, yeah that's an yeah. interesting take yeah it is an interesting take I don't have the internet at my disposal right now to look it up because that's how I thought it, it was basically said that word for word. Yeah. No, I mean, that's definitely an interesting take. I hadn't thought about that, but moving into the last song, cause we already covered post sell out with the hidden track that Kyle definitely needs to check out. Cause it's over the top and it's funny and ridiculous at the same time, but we have FGA, which we have no idea what that acronym stands for. If it means anything at all, but nope. this song sonically just sounds so good Dude, the opening guitar riff yeah. like as soon as i heard that first opening riff it was a yep that's it yeah that song i think that this song could be a big hit if it just had a, a catchier hook it just doesn't have a catchy hook that's what it's in my mind what's missing from being a major a major smash hit but this song just i absolutely so love it yeah i absolutely love it and then the uh I mean, to go along with the common thread we've been talking about, like it, the opening lines are fantastic where he's like, I've been trying hard to find a way to tell you that I don't hurt no more. 
I'm feeling sorry for the things I said, but I won't take them back. Oh no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's very co-wetzel of him to be like, you know what? I've said those things and I feel bad about it, but I'm not taking them. I'm not apologizing. Yeah. It's that arrogance of it. You know, I, nope. Now you didn't have a, you, you said it quite didn't have a hook. Uh, the chorus is the hook for me. Mm-hmm. I ain't never going to change. I mean, <laughs> pizza over and over again. Yeah. I mean, like you said, just, the guitar in the song mm-hmm. just slaps. I'm not instrumentally inclined, so I don't know what it's tuned at or how they had the electric guitar, whatever it's, however they set the tune or whatever. It just slaps, man. Just, uh, I mean, you just yeah. take the whatever list. it is, it's it. Yeah, I mean, not not even listening to, like to the actual lyrics. I'm just like, yo, this is a banger. Oh yeah. And like the chorus itself, like you said, it is oh, yeah. very, totally it's very catchy. Like where it says driving down the highway, losing my mind. And it's more than I have to give. Like it's like you said, when you hear somebody writing stuff like that and then you hear side check, it's just like, uh, what, what's the difference? <laughs> How did this same artist have this song and this song? I mean, it doesn't make yeah. sense to me, but the chorus is fantastic in this song. This yeah, song absolutely. is fantastic. It's, yes. I, I hate that it's, I, maybe there was a reason for the sequencing the way it was, but I hate that it's the next to last track or arguably the last track, just because I feel like some, a lot of people are going to, if you like Co, you're going to listen to all the way in, but you're going to like his stuff probably regardless because that's how music fans are. But if you're on the fence, you might not make it to this song. I, the, I think I, through the first listen, like just, it was kind of like a, this album's like, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. It just first listened, and then it was just this song is just this is it. Yeah, this was one of the highlights off the record for sure. I, I think it's uh, it's put in it in uh, where it's at in the album for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you're gonna find out about it because it's just gonna show up. It's it's gonna make itself popular when people like yeah. Have you heard this song on his new album? Like maybe the other ones aren't so good, but this one slaps. Yeah. I've seen po- people post an FGA on their story that I didn't even know were Coetzel fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always cool to see when you don't even know people even realize this guy's even out there making music and then they post something like that because this is a song I've that even, I think yeah. has a lot of broad appeal for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the, it's the second best written song on the album to me. Best sounding song on the album. Yeah. Best, it's one of the best sounding songs I think he's put out ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it fits in his uh, wheelhouse sonically. It like yeah, it, yeah, and it, it just it's a it's a a, a hard driving kind of song that has like a enough pop sensibilities within that rock sound. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 it just it's easy on the ears. Immediately when you hear it, you like it, and then when you find out that the lyrics actually have some meaning and some depth to it, it makes the song even that much better. Because how many times do we hear songs that sound great that are just fall flat lyrically? This one delivered on all yeah. accounts. Yeah, this is uh, one yep. of those songs that if COVID ever ends and we can have concerts again, when you hear that opening guitar riff, it's like you just look to your buddies and like, oh, hell yes. Yeah, this one's a banger. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's go. It, it happens every time. I put it on repeat constantly. Every time I hear it, it just, just gets me going. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's, I think, look, kind of to wrap things up on the record, I think that Overall, it's a really good record. I don't, I don't know yet where I think that it falls within Co's full discography. Um, I, I just, I have a hard time placing it after I've listened to it probably four to six times over the weekend. 
but it's it's I think it's too early for me to say where I think it falls because like I said, Co's an artist that it requires even for his fans multiple listens if you listen with any type of critical ear um, to really kind of appreciate what's going on. So it wouldn't be fair for right now for me to like automatically say it's his weakest or his best record or somewhere in between. I think I need some more listens before I put it in the full scope of the Co Wetzel discography. Yeah. I agree. I would say, cause like to me, like, oh, if, if like what I said about the, uh, the analogy and drunk driving, it kind of changes the whole song. It's it does. one little slight difference kind of changes the way you feel about the whole song. Mm-hmm. And that's why I haven't wrote off cold and alone. Cause I think I might just be like one, like two lines clicking together from changing my whole opinion on the whole song. Yeah. And then like we say with everything that people in 2020 just don't seem to understand context matters and you need, proper context for all the songs, the proper context within the record for what the songs try, the message is trying to convey what the emotion that message is carrying. Like it, it, you need to understand all that before you can really make a fully formed opinion. Now the passive music listeners out there who are not audiophiles like myself, it's they'll like the, the rock aspects of the record. Cause it's fun to listen to. It'll make for a great concert, but they're never going to fully get it when it comes to, what the the minutia of a song like drunk driving like andy was saying or like fga or anything they're not gonna get it because they listen to music differently that's fine but they there is something yeah. for them because they'll like the like i said the the rock heavy uh sonic kind of sounds that you have that will just make for a killer concert it'll fit right in with his mm-hmm. uh, discography in that regard yeah, it's got it like a two. I think it's good when you don't get an album the first time you listen to it. 100%. I think that's a good thing. The first few listens, if you don't totally get it, I think that's a good thing. And it's got, we said this too, is I hate to even bring this up in the, really in the same sense, uh, like paragraph, but uh, we've said that too about Turnpike. They have something for you, even if you don't listen to what he's even, what Evan Felker is even telling you. Yeah. They got yeah. something for you because it sounds good. Yeah, because I mean, really, the only thing Co and Turnpike not that I want them in the same conversation, but no, the only thing they have in common is the fact that they're from the same regional area of the country. (laughs) Outside of that, there isn't a whole lot in common. And they both sound good. Musically, they sound good. They do. I mean, they sound good, but they sound good. They have that, Andy, and we'll believe it. (laughs) (laughs) They sound good. (laughs) Did I mention that they sounded good? But, but yeah, as always, go on uh, Apple Podcast, give us five stars, subscribe, stream it, share it, go to Spotify, follow us, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook. We have some cool content on Twitter here and there. Facebook, we need to be more active on Instagram. We've abandoned because it was boring. And, um, but yeah, follow us on all that, share the podcast. And if you want a cool country and coal cans koozie, go to oakcitydrifters.com slash shop. Also country and coal cans.com slash shop. Pick up a country and coal cans koozie, five bucks, free shipping. And um, you know what? Share the good news about country and coal cans while we get some uh, killer content out there for you guys. So, well, Yeah, we got okay. faces for radio. Don't expect to see us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Once we found out that we needed to go with uh, without having to put our pictures up there, and then we were like, yeah, let's not do Instagram anymore. Let's stick with Twitter. It's more fun mm-hmm. to be able to get into Twitter fights with people, 280 characters or less. So, well, for this episode of Country and Cold Cans, uh, be sure to go out there and listen to Co Wetzel uh, by the record. And when COVID is over, we can jam out. Kyle will be able to go to his first Co concert. Yeah, I should have went back in March with you guys. I regret yeah. it even more. Yeah, well, at the time, you, to be fair, at the time, you didn't really know him that well. That's just true. Fair. So, but next time, you won't miss it. So, just, yeah. No yeah. 
All right. So I'm Logan for Kyle and Andy. We'll see you next time.